we've known these guys for years. Peter and Anika, they, they lead a great church in Auckland uh, called the River Christian Church out in Pakaranga in, uh, in East Auckland and uh, doing some great things God's doing. Uh, you know, we've got a wonderful, wonderful church, love the presence of God, and uh, we're just so blessed to have them down this weekend. Some of you will know them, some of them you may not, but why don't we give a really, really great Hope Center welcome to Peter and Anika Morton. Bless you guys. That's on? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, just as we were worshiping before, uh, maybe just keep playing just for a moment. Is that okay? You're right. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, as we were just worshiping before, um, I was really struck by something, and that is that uh, it's clear and evident in this house that there is a, there, there's a strong spirit of declaration on this place. You know, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir on that. I know you guys know that. But there's such power when we speak out God's word. Amen. When we declare and, and we line up with what's on the breath of heaven, there is incredible power that gets released. And I was just thinking about it as we were worshiping because, you know, it's really interesting what happens when, when we do this together as a group of people as opposed to just individually. Because how many know that, like, we've been made in the image of God, right? You know, and God breathed everything into existence. He spoke and it was. Like, it was, we were the only things that he made with his hands, but everything else was spoken. And so he has made us to be like that, to be able to speak out. And as we speak, things change. Now, we understand that. But what I think is really interesting is that there are many descriptions of God through the Bible. And it says that when he speaks, his voice is like the sound of many waters. Have you read that? Now, what's really interesting, you see, I come from an audio background uh, like worship and that sort of stuff. So I just want to say, why don't we just round of applause for the worshipers tonight? Like, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. I love it, man. It's just so good to be in a place where, you know, you, you're just grabbing heaven. It's just awesome. But you know, the, there's these descriptions of God with the voice like many waters. And what is really interesting is that when you have sound at every single frequency simultaneously, it makes a particular sound. It's noise. It's like... That's, that's literally the sound. If every single frequency from 20 hertz all the way up to our audible range of 20,000 hertz, if we hear all of that all at once, it literally sounds like noise or like the sound of rushing waters, the sound of many waters. And you see, the powerful thing is, guys, that every single one of us here tonight... Oh, man... I, Every single one of us here tonight, we stand here and we can individually declare the Word of God out over our life, right? But how many know that, you know, we, we live in a, a day where the kingdom of heaven has to come to earth. And there's something that happens when God's church gets together and we begin to declare it together because what happens is that all of our different voices start to fill up that audio frequency, and there's a roar that comes from the people of God that echoes what's coming from heaven. Amen. And just before we go any further tonight, I, I want to ask you to do something that you know, might be a little bit of radical in almost any other church, I think, apart from this one. I want you to stand up to your feet because I really believe tonight that there is, there is power for us in this place to declare heaven. 
You guys have been doing it all night. You've been declaring things over Lower Hutt. You've been declaring things over the Wellington region. You've been declaring it when you've been saying what you said in, in, the, in the giving offering. You've been declaring it through your worship. But what we can do tonight is every single one of us, I wonder what it is that you can see. I wonder what it is that you're believing God for. I wonder what it is that you're looking out and you're saying, God, I want to see this. Maybe you're declaring a family member to be saved. Maybe you're declaring God to move in your workplace. Maybe you're asking for change in this nation. Maybe your heart breaks for young people or something is going on in you. Whatever it is tonight, close your eyes, focus on heaven right now. And Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord, as your people declare, as we speak this out together, Lord, there is like a roar that comes from the people of God. And that roar matches the roar that comes out of the very mouth of God from heaven. We bring a little piece of heaven to earth tonight, God. And so, Father, all together, what I'm going to just do for about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask all of us to lift our voices, and we're going to declare together, and just as in heaven, so it's going to be on earth, we're going to hear the roar of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to hear the roar of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Are you with me tonight? Oh, I can feel some anointing in this place. So just put it in your mind. What is on your heart? What is on your spirit tonight? What are you asking God for? What are we going to declare into the atmosphere? And on the count of three, I'm going to ask every single one of us together at the top of our lungs, let's begin to just to clear this stuff out. Are you ready? You with me tonight, church? Let's hear the roar of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's hear the roar of the Lion of the tribe of Judah in this house as we kick off tonight in Jesus' name. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Tonight, God, we join with all of heaven. We join with the roar from heaven tonight, God. Every tribe, every tongue, every voice, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And we declare over this region that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the name above every other name. At his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. All sickness bows to the name of Jesus. Every demon in hell bows to the name of Jesus tonight. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift a shout of praise. Let's give him some glory tonight. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for what you have put in the heart of this church. And Lord, I thank you too, God, that just as they speak it, they're going to see it. Just as it's declared in this place, so it shall be. Just as you said, let there be light, and there was light. Father, we thank you, God, that we're going to speak light into the darkness in this area, and we're going to see fires begin to start, something begin to shift, something begin to change. 
Heavenly Father, we worship you tonight, Lord. Oh, yes, God. <laughs> oh, yes, God. Lola Matiana Nanamati, Sindian and Nemakiana Malomoto. Iana Lamatiana Nanomosundoro, Makiana Machindiana Nanai. Kela Maseria Lamatiana Nanomosumokura, Mamma Mamma. The faith rise, God. Lea Mamma Matiere de Belibitiana Nanamolomoku Sumoku. The God arise, Lula Masire de Ananana Masundora Mayamoku. Kiana Masire de Ananana Masumbushundora Namoku. Thank you, God. Faith is rising in this place. I love what Pastor Paul just said. Let go of your head and grab a hold of your spirit. I just feel like that is really just such the word of the Lord tonight. Let go of your head, grab a hold of your spirit. It's time for us to speak to our spirit. Sometimes our head tells us untruths. Sometimes our head lies to us. <laughs> Sometimes our head gives us logical facts that don't line up with the word of God. But Lord, tonight we want to do that. We want to grab a hold of our spirit and our heart. And Lord, we want to point it to you. Oh, come tonight, Jesus. Fill your people, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Fantastic. Grab a seat. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. I used to do that job a lot. So I really, really appreciate Anybody who sits behind a keyboard. <laughs> I had uh, numerous meetings back in the days that would go for four hours and I'd be playing all of that time. You know what that's like, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, it's great to be here tonight. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, um, I'm Peter from the River. This is my lovely wife, Anika. And, uh, and not in six weeks, but in about three weeks, we are going to have been married for 25 years, which is pretty cool. And, and never a crossword, yeah. And um, yeah, and we've got uh, three awesome kids. So um, we've got Nathan, who's 22. He just got married at the end of last year, and he's about to move to Christchurch. So uh, we're saying goodbye to Nathan and um, and his lovely wife Jade. Uh, we've got uh, Analia, who's 20, and my youngest son is Jaden, who was 17, and he's second to last year of high school. And uh, Analia just got her license last week, so everyone in our house is driving now, which is awesome. <laughs> My days of shuttling are over in Jesus. I'm so glad about that. But uh, it's so, such a privilege and pleasure to be here tonight. I had such a great time at the Northern Hills Church this morning. I tell you what, man, God is moving in that place, you know, and there are great things uh, coming to Johnsonville, and it was just wonderful to be there and to connect with the awesome people that are in, you know, going to be part of that church going forward. And as, as Paul said, you know, we've known, we've known Paul and Jody for years and years. We've been kicking around with these guys since we were young, like young people, you know, like really young people. I mean, we're still kind of young, but, you know, since we're really young, you know, and I just want to take a moment and just really honor both of you tonight, just for your heart and for your vision. You know, there is, there is something that, uh, that is just on these guys in terms of vision and perspective and kingdom thinking and faith, you know, and it, as long as I've known them and been around them, every time I've been around them, my heart has been lifted and I've been able to see more, you know, so I just want to bless you guys tonight and, and say you guys are really, really blessed to have them as senior pastors, are you not? Yeah. yeah. And I just also tonight, 
I just want to honor Seth and just to say thank you for all that you have done in this nation and for what you, the foundation that you have laid in this house. You know, there are so many people who have come to this place and been revived and, re, you know, reinvigorated in their life and their calling. And you're a blessing, mate. And I uh, just want to honor you tonight, too. And I just want to say as well, just you guys have been watching this unfold, but I've been, I think I might have even said this last time I was down here, too. But I have seen so many situations in which transitions have not gone well. And this seems to me to have been the most excellent, amazing transition. It's been because both of you guys have been prepared to really honor and look after each other in the process. And I just, but I want to commend you, Seth, because there's not many in your generation who've been able to do what you have done. And I, I just, I, I take my hat off to you. I honestly do. And I just, just say, thank God for, for men like you. Isn't he a blessing? Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are blessed, man. It's so good. It's so good. So um, I'm, I'm going to share a, a few things tonight. Um, just before I do, I just want to go televangelist on you for a second, if that's okay. Um, and then i got a book. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the book part, okay. Um, uh, a little while ago, I wrote this book. And the reason I wrote this book was because um, as a pastor, I kept having people coming to me again and again and again, kept saying, hey, Peter, I really want to be able to really encounter God in my devotional times, but I'm really struggling with them. You know, it's great at church because I've got the band and I've got the preacher and everything's all good. But when I go home and I try to pray and try to spend time with God, it's just really, really hard. And I think one thing that we tend to do in the Pentecostal church a little bit is, you know, here's a Bible, read it. There's a corner, pray, good luck. Yeah? Often we don't give any indication for actually how people walk into the inky blackness of their own devotional time and connect with an unseen God. I mean, sometimes we just give them like devotional readings or whatever. It's like, okay, you read this devotional, you pray this prayer, and you've done the thing. But we all, I think we all know there's something more. Yeah? And so I've been on a journey with this because over the course of my life, I have to say, a number of years ago, my own personal times with God were quite sporadic. You know, sometimes, you know, I'd hear a message on it, get all inspired about it again, and then like do it. And then it would kind of ta taper off. And often they were just really hard, <laughs> quite bluntly. But I have certainly now found a devotional life that I love, that I look forward to, that's very regular. And I tell you what, man, when you start spending time with God in a regular way by yourself, it begins to overflow into every other part of your life. It really does. And so, I mean, I can, as a pastor, I can see, like, there's, I'll watch trajectories of people starting to really take off. And every single time, they'll say to me, you know what, I've just started to get really serious about my time with God. Just opening up heaven every single day and listening. So this is a super practical book. It's called The God Who's Glad to See You. And I uh, hope you like the title because that's the whole nature of the book. The fact is that God's not sitting there with a big stick, you know, looking at, at, on his watch going, well, you know, it's been 38 days since the last time I saw you. Yeah. God is glad to see you every single time you rock up. He is, he is stoked and he's got something for you. You know, so there's some perspectives we need to change. There's a bunch of practical stuff. If you've got new Christians, you can give them this book. There's a bunch of practical things in there. But there's also some stuff for some more advanced stuff as well on, in terms of, like, uh, learning how to pray in tongues and how to, like, hold prayer for a long period of time, learning how to discern the will of God for your life in your own devotional time. Um, so you don't have to go running to a big person, although it's always good to get input, amen. But, you know, you can hear from God. God wants to speak to you. 
So anyway, you can grab a copy. There's about eight books left at the back. I brought down a whole book. Around, uh, I was going to say Arana Hills. No, Northern Hills this morning took a whole lot of them, you know, and uh, they just disappeared. So there's eight of them left down the back, and uh, you, can, um, you can grab yourself a copy there. And if those ones go, um, there's a, I will give you a code. I've got a website down there. You can, at the moment, with, they're, they're like $5 off. So if you run out of books tonight, you can go up to the website and, and put in the code, which is HOPE. H-O-P-E, nice and easy, and uh, that'll give you $5 off, okay? So is there anyone tonight who's keen to let's see their devotional life go to the next level? I saw you first, there you go. Bless you. Oh, here we go, I'm just throwing it. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, you can go and avail yourself of those down the back. All right, I want to talk tonight about the goodness of God. You know, we know that God is good. And I tell you what, God, God being good is not just a description of what He does and His actions. God being good is a description of who He is, His nature and His character. If someone has ever done something for you or given you something or blessed you in some way and you turned around and said, man, that is so good of them that they have done that, in that moment, in that instance, you've had a little sliver, a little glimmer of the immenseness that is in God. He is all good. <laughs> all the time. I mean, like when we, when we get that revelation of who He is, you know, and Scripture talks numerous times about the goodness of God, and, and we'll be aware of some of these. Psalms 34 verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 135, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Psalm 145, The Lord is good to all. Lamentations, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. Nahum, The Lord is good. He is a refuge in times of trouble. I mean, those are just a selection. The Bible is full of this. The description. And isn't it so wonderful, I mean, of anything that our God could be? Because He really could be anything, couldn't He? I mean, He could have been a bad God. And we'd still have to serve him. He could have been an evil God and we'd have no choice. We'd still have to bow the knee. But he's a good God. And one of the most powerful things and what I kind of want to kick off with tonight and, uh, is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And all the worshippers will know this one because that's the story of when the Assyrian army came against uh, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. And it tells the time that Israel, that they went out to battle. You remember this? And they sent, they sent the, the worshippers first. Do you remember that? Yeah, we've all heard that story. And uh, they sent the worshippers first. And, and the Lord, through the worship, set up ambushes against the enemy. And they won this great victory. But you know, what's really interesting to me, though, is the fact that as they went out, it says they were singing that song that seems to crop up again and again and again in Scripture, where it says, give thanks to the Lord. For He is good, and His love endures forever. Yeah, and you see that again and again in Scripture, right? It keeps, it's almost like a second national anthem for the Israelites. They, they keep singing the song all of the time. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. And what I think is really interesting is that when they went out to fight their battles, when they were going out to fight their giants, when they were looking at situations that they weren't sure how they were going to overcome, what was on their lips was the goodness of God. The goodness of God wasn't just a nice thought for them to keep them happy on daddy's lap. It was an offensive weapon. As they faced down the difficulties and the troubles and the trials and the armies that came against them, their unwavering declaration 
in the middle of that, even as that army's advancing, amen, even as it's all looking hopeless, their unwavering declaration in the middle of it is God is good. And I tell you what, that's a weapon that I think as the church, we've got to pick that weapon up. We've got to pick it up. Because you see, the, the Bible makes it really clear that God is good, that He loves us, and that His heart and His intention is for us. And why has that been written? So that we will have hope in every situation that we face. But you know what? I think I speak to every single person tonight when I think if we are open and honest and real, every single one of us goes through moments and times and seasons sometimes in our life where we can begin to ask the question, is that really true? In this situation that I'm facing, is God actually really good? With this particular problem, you know, it comes about a question, man, how could a good God let this happen? How could a good God enable me or allow me to have to walk through this particular situation that I'm walking through? And every single one of us, at some point in your Christian life, you are going to face a trial. You're going to face an army. You're going to face some kind of situation that is going to cause you fundamentally, as much as you love God, as long as you've been a Christian, you're still going to find a moment where you're going to look and you go, you know what? I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling to reconcile what I'm seeing with what the Bible says about my God. And you see, I think the challenge that every single one of us has as Christians is that the Word of God is clear that God is good. Amen? But you know, we can all go through life and we have these experiences. And sometimes our experiences can call into question what the Word of God says. And we all are in a place where we have got to make a decision which one is going to win. Is it going to be my experience that's going to win or is it going to be the Word of God that's going to win? Am I going to put my experience or am I going to put the Word of God up here and say my experience doesn't match so I'm going to bring my experience up to the Word of God or in this situation am I going to drag the Word of God down to the level of my experience and my own understanding and my own logic? Every single one of us at some point is going to face that. All of us face these hard times and these times of fire and these times of testing. But you know what I love? In Daniel chapter 3, it tells, tells the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who loves that story? I mean, I just, it was so cool even this morning. We were singing a song over there about Jesus being in the fire. You know, if, if, if you're in the fire, that's where I want to be. You know, I don't know how many want to really pray that prayer tonight. I don't know if I really want to pray that prayer. But isn't it interesting sometimes we find ourselves in the fire of life and what I think is actually really, really interesting is there is no evidence in Scripture, none at all, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saw Jesus themselves in the fire. They don't have any interaction or anything with them, with him. We don't see him, them suddenly running to him, bowing to him, talking, nothing. But those who are outside the fire, who saw them go through the fire, they all saw Jesus. And I want to tell you, you're going to walk through fires at times and you're going to look and go, where is God? You may not be able to see God in your fire, but I want to tell you, as you hold on, others are going to look at your life and they're going to say, I can see Jesus in that. Wow, I can see that person walking through that trial and that situation. And man, I see God in their life. The king was the one who saw, you know, and that, that, there's a whole thing in there. But you know what? Um, 
The interesting thing is, as they came through that fiery experience, the Bible says that the clothes were not scorched, their hair was no, not singed, and there was not even a smell of smoke on them, which I just love. I'm, I'm, uh, I've written this book. I never actually thought I was going to write books. I'm, you know, to be honest, I never even thought I'd be a pastor. You know? Isn't it interesting where you end up in life? I mean, I, I had my whole life planned out. Anyone else like this? You know, I had my whole life planned out, and then I kind of got to know God, and He ruined all my plans. And everything kind of worked out differently. You know, I never thought I'd end up as pastor, and I definitely never thought I'd write books. And so I wrote this one book, and apparently everyone's got one book in them, so I wrote it, and I'm like, okay, well, that's good. It's out. It's done. On to the next. And now the Lord's begun to speak to me about this, and so I've got another one coming out about this, which is called Through the Fire, No Smell of Smoke. Because I think so many believers go through fiery situations, but for the rest of their life, they smell of the experience they went through. And I'll tell you what, man, you know, the interesting thing, the thing that really blows me away is not just that they survived it and not just that their, their clothes were not scorched and their hair was not singed, but there was no smell of smoke on them. I don't know if you've ever been around a bonfire. You can't walk away from that without stinking of smoke. I mean, that stuff clings to you, right? But wouldn't it be amazing, though, to be able to go through a season in your life that might have just taken somebody else out, but you walk through that season... And you emerge from that season and you don't even smell a smoke. There's not, there's, if, if, if someone didn't ask you, they would never even know that you had walked through what you had walked through. Because you see, if we get it right, those sorts of seasons, they don't define us, they refine us. And we have a choice tonight. Because every single one of us, I don't want to be a downer, but I do want to be real tonight. Every single one of us is going to face the fire at some point in our life. It's, it's going to come. You know, Scripture promises it's going to come. There's that wonderful promise from Jesus that you will never, ever see on a poster with little kittens on the back of a bathroom door that says, in this world, you will have trouble. I've yet to see that. <laughs> There's certain promises that don't get sung over and over again. I've yet to see a worship song, you know. Maybe you can write one. In this world, you will have trouble. I mean, there's stuff that we don't tend to declare out, right? But how many know that's still the Word of God? As, as we walk through life, we're going to encounter fires. We're going to encounter difficult and hard moments. And in that moment, we have the choice whether that fire defines us or refines us. We, whether we walk for the rest of our lives held in the orbit and the grip of the pain of the thing that we went through, or whether what we encounter and who we encounter in that place actually changes on the inside of us and we walk free. We've got that choice because every single one of us is going to find ourselves in these moments and these difficulties of fire. And it's been said numerous times before, there's a lot in life that we can't control, but what is always within our power is our response, amen? And in those moments, the pain and the hurt can either drive us away from God or they can drive us towards Him and the choice is up to us. And look, I'm not going to try to attempt tonight to do a full message on why do bad things happen to good people. We can, I'll, I'll leave that for Pastor Paul for next week. <laughs> that's, that's all right. No problems. On Father's Day too. There we go. <laughs> go. Bring it, man. And I'm not going to sit here tonight and try to convince you with any reason or any logic to try to help you walk out of your place of despair because I've generally found if somebody can be talked into something, they can be talked out of it as well. I mean, 
That's why Paul said, you know, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because there's something that happens when the Holy Ghost touches our life that, you know, logic and reason doesn't really add up to. But what I want to do tonight, maybe just to remind some of you or to re-encourage some of you, or maybe tonight this is a new thing for you. I'm not sure where you're at, but I want to offer you tonight a foundation. I want to offer you a solid rock that you can stand on. That no matter what trial comes your way, no matter what difficulty you face in life, no matter how big the army and how impossible the odds, that you find that you've got a solid rock that you can stand on that will not move. Does that sound pretty good? You see, and what I have found is that there is, and I found this personally, and many of you will have found this too, I have found that there is a place that you can stand, something solid that you can put your feet on. And you know, it's funny because it defies logic. It defies reason. You can't argue your way into it or out of it. But what it is, is not a, magical, a matter of logical reason or what you can see or what you can scientifically rationalize or verify. But there is a rock that you can stand on that will not move, and that rock is called the goodness of God. You can stand on the goodness of God. You see, the Bible tells us clearly, and I, I love this, you know, faith, amen, is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And so every single one of us, you know, the Christian, I love the fact, it's, it's not the Christian religion, it's the Christian faith. We're called to faith, amen? I mean, I love the fact that God calls us, you know, to believe in, you know, uh, that the world was created in seven days, that he was born of a virgin, you know, that he died and he rose again. Like there's so much crazy stuff and that he's coming back again one day. I mean, there's all this crazy stuff that we believe as Christians, right? I mean, when you actually stand back and you look, you go, man, that's pretty, that's incredible. But we believe it. Why do we believe it? By faith. We haven't been argued in or out of it, but there's been a, there's been a transaction in our spirit. And we're like, you know, that's, that's the truth. I know it's real. And we walk by faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And so in order to move forward in times when it's all hard and you can't see the way, it's not about what you know, it's not about what you can see, and it's not even about what you can rationally work out or understand. It really is about faith. It is about having to trust your unseen God in the process. You've got to trust Him. And there's a conclusion that I've come to when it comes to the ways of God. Okay, and I'm not going to stand here tonight and say that I've got them all figured out because I have not. <laughs> Absolutely not. But there's a conclusion that I've come to about him, and that is this, that God is never conventional. He does not seem to like the obvious. Have you worked that one out? You know, often people say, I really want God to move in this situation. I'm praying for God to move in the situation. And what we're actually really saying is, God, I've already worked out what I would like you to do. I've worked out what the logical conclusion and, and the best idea is in this situation, God. So I would like you now to just come and do that, please. Amen? I mean, I think if we're honest, that's often what we're doing when we're praying for God to intervene in a situation. I know what's best, God. Can you just pull finger and come and just, you know, agree with me? Yeah? But what I've found, though, maybe you have too, judging by the laughter around the room, okay, is that no matter how logical and rational and smart my plan is to me, God just doesn't seem to play along. 
I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever in your life worked with a really, really highly creative person? Yeah? I, I, I have the opportunity in my role to, to work with some very highly creative people. And I have to say, two things about highly creative people. Number one, they are like the biggest blessing in the world because they bring ideas and thoughts you would have never thought about. And number two, they are the biggest pain in the backside. Because I don't know if you're anything like me. My Myers-Briggs is ENTJ, right? I'm, a, I'm an A-type vision, plan, get the job done, efficiency, effectiveness guy. I mean, that, that's just the way I roll. And so sometimes I'm like, you know what? We need some creative input into this. So I'll throw it to the creative guys and they come up with incredible things. But then there's other times where I just need something done. It's the same thing that I needed done the last 70 times. It doesn't need to be tinkered with. It doesn't need to be messed with. I just need it delivered. And these freaking creatives will not play along. They demand to kind of go, yeah, but, you know, we could do it like this, you know, and come up with some other crazy idea. And I'm looking, I go, just don't need that. Just do what we did last time. It works. It's not hard. Oh, just do it. But you know what? I think it's helped me when it comes to understanding the ways of God. <laughs> and that phrase is a paradox in itself. But listen, guys, when we are asking God to intervene, when we are talking to Him and asking Him to come into our situations, we have to understand this. We are dealing with an all-knowing, all-powerful, present-everywhere creative. That's actually what He's like. You, you do realize, you know, that these creative people that I've just bagged are actually still made in the image of God, right? <laughs> yeah? And those who've had to work are going, yeah, and all the creative people here tonight are going, yeah, that's right, see? But it's true. And if you think about it, seeing God as a powerful creative is actually true for every biblical interaction that you look back through the Scriptures. You see Him again and again and again. He never does the obvious. He always seems to take these other routes through things. I mean, you think about Joshua and the walls of Jericho, right? I mean, I do not understand this. Because all God has to do is... And the walls fall down. It's actually pretty simple. He just has to snap his fingers. He, doesn't even, he just speaks. The walls are gone. right? Easy, efficient, effective, done. But no, he's a creative guy. So he says, hey, Joshua, come here. I've got a plan. You get everybody together, and you guys are going to walk around the walls for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around again. And then you're going to raise a shout, and then the walls are going to come down. And how many know that it wasn't actually really the shout that made the walls come down? It's still God who made the walls come down. But he took them on this journey through the process. And I look at that, and I'm like, that is so ineffective. Are you kidding me? Why did he have to do that? But you know, what God was achieving through that process, though, was he was showing and demonstrating to every single city in that land of Canaan that it wasn't just random stuff that was happening, but actually God was with His people. So there was a, there's always a reason, and usually you can only ever see it in reverse. Eh? You look back, you go, ah, oh, that's what you were doing. Right. I, yeah. Well, I think about, you know, the, the, the time that um, Jesus uh, sends Peter, you know, to, uh, Peter comes about the temple tax. Remember that one? And, uh, and he comes in and Jesus goes, oh, um, you know, does your teacher pay the temple tax? Remember that? 
And he comes in, and Jesus already knows what he's going to talk about, what he's going to ask. And again, very, very simple solution. You know, we know that they had a money bag because the Bible says that Judas used to help himself to what was in it. I love the fact that the Bible has that in there. They've got a money bag. All that Jesus has to do is go, um, okay, yes, I paid the temple tax. Here's the money. Off you go. Nice and efficient and effective, right? What does he do? Go, and go fishing. You're going to catch a fish. You're going to open its mouth. And in the mouth of the fish is going to be what you need. And again, you know, because you see, this is the thing. We're often wanting God to work through us to see miracles and power released. And God's happy to work through us, but we've got to understand that while He's working through us, He's also wanting to work in us. He's wanting to change something on the inside about our vision and our perspective of who He is. He's a creative. He doesn't do things the way he, we expect. That's just who He is. And I love it. Uh, Pastor Paul just even mentioned this tonight, which I thought was so cool, Isaiah 55. His ways are higher than ours, and his thoughts are higher than ours. I had a revelation on this one recently, and maybe this might help some people in the room, because it suddenly struck me. If God's ways are higher than mine, it means half the time I'm not going to see what he's doing, because it's higher than me. And if, if, if his thoughts are greater than mine, then it means that half the time at least I'm not going to understand what he's doing. Because his thoughts are greater than mine. And so if we are living this life with this creative God who thinks differently to how we think and sees differently to how we see, then the only way that we're ever going to be able to walk forward is by faith. And we've just simply got to walk forward. We've just got to trust him in the middle of the process. Amen. That's why we have to have faith, because we can't see it. We just have to trust it. So we give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his love endures forever. You know, just as there, there was a, um, there's a story that, uh, how many of you guys have read The Hiding Place by Corrie ten Boom? Anyone here? Yeah, a few of you. Okay. There's a, I've, I've been really kind of taken apart by that book recently. Everyone else read it years ago. I only just read it recently. I'm like, oh my goodness. So it's the story of her and her sister, Betsy, who went through a Nazi World War II concentration camp. And the incredible thing here, guys, and I, I, I want us to get this tonight because there, there is something that I think is missing sometimes in, in the Western church, in our comfort and in our... There, there's, there, there's a raw obedience. There is a raw, you know, understanding of who God is. After all of the atrocities that they had been through, they were taken into this particular room that was going to be their new dormitories, and they were sent to sleep. And Corey writes that just as she went to sleep, she felt something pinch. And she, and she sat up and realized that the entire room was full of fleas. Fleas everywhere. And uh, it was really, really bad. And so anyway, she turned to her sister, Betsy, and it seems like Betsy was actually kind of the more godly of the two, like in terms of like discipling her. Turned to Betsy, and Betsy said, you know what, we need to find out what God says. And so she opened the Bible, and the Bible was basically saying, give thanks in all situations. And she goes, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to give thanks in this situation, right? So they begin to give thanks for everything they can think of. And then finally, Betsy goes, and thank you, Jesus, for the fleas. And Corrie's like, yeah, nah. And I have to say, I'm siding with Corrie on that one. Yeah? I mean, not thanking you for the fleas. But you know, something that was, but anyway, through gritted teeth, she began to thank God for the fleas that were there. Just like, oh, thank you, God. But you know, the incredible thing was, that they were given remarkable freedom in that place 
And then they were able to start leading and doing Bible studies and prayer and stuff with the other woman inmates that no one else had been able to do because they'd had guards around them all the time up until that moment. And they led a whole lot of them to the Lord and really a revival broke out in that little place. And they could never understand why the guards left them alone. And it wasn't until ages afterwards that they found out that the guards wouldn't come into the room because of the fleas. Now, I'm still not 100% sure if I'm thanking God for fleas tonight. But what it does say to me, though, is that in the middle of situations that we don't understand, in the middle of situations where, I tell you what, man, if that had been me, I'd be sitting there going, man, God, you have finally turned your back on me. I mean, everything has been so bad to this point, and now I'm put into this flea-infested environment. Seriously, God, you've got something to answer for. Is God good? I'm not sure. Oh, you're all so holy, man. I mean, you know, at that moment, I'm asking that question. I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm struggling right now. But you know what? That right there, friends, that is the, that's the foundation I'm talking about tonight. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial, in the middle of where it's hard, in the middle of what you don't understand, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good and His love endures forever. Amen. I love that song. Maybe if the worship team wants to come, because we're finishing at 8 tonight. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Kind of, okay. I'm, I'm just kind of, yeah, may, maybe if, uh, if, if you guys want to come. And, I love that song, Raise a Hallelujah. I don't know if you do it here or not, but, you know, you, do you do that here? Yeah. The, um, I love that song because I love that line in it that says, I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Sometimes we're not going to fully understand all that's going on for us. And I, but I do have an, exception, a, a, an issue with one part of that particular song, which is where it says that my weapon is a melody. Because your weapon is not a melody. Do, re, me will not save me. And it won't save you either. Your weapon is not a melody. Your weapon is the words that are on the melody. Your weapon is the living, breathing word of God that you're singing out and that you're declaring in the middle of the mystery. It's not just singing that's going to set you free. It's the Word of God in the middle of that place. Amen? Yeah. And we can either be defined or refined by our fire. But David said in Psalm 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I love that. He walked through that valley. He didn't stay there. He didn't camp there. He didn't set up tent there. He said, this is a temporary situation. I'm walking through it right now, but I know that I'm going to come out on the other side. And on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, guess what there is? There's a table there prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. All the promises lie on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes we've got to decide in the middle of the shadow of the valley of death, this is not where I die. I'm speaking to some people tonight, you know, that maybe you're going through something tonight. You're, you're looking at a hardship or you're looking at something that's going on in your life and you're like, man, I just don't even know where God is in the middle of all this. I'm not going to try to explain it to you. I'm not going to try to give you reasons tonight. But what I am going to say is this. What I have found is that in the middle of my valleys, in the middle of where everything is wrong, where I stand on the rock and I declare, give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His love is endures 
Somehow my perspective starts to change. Somehow, even in the middle of that storm, I may not be able to calm the storm outside, but the storm inside starts getting calmed. Amen? Something starts to rise on the inside of me. And it can rise on the inside of all of us. And you know, I just think there's something so powerful. When in the middle of all that we do not understand, or the middle of everything that's raging, and you know, there's so much that's going on in our world right now that we don't even understand. There's so much chaos and craziness that's going on. Amen? But in the middle of it all, to be able to stand on that rock and say, I give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And His love endures forever. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Let's just lift our hands to the Lord right across this place. And I want you to imagine yourself like just literally standing on that rock tonight. And you know what? I really believe actually our times together as a church, you know, when we're worshiping like this, this isn't just kind of fun and games and I like that song and I like to sing along and, you know, the, the team's really good at leading it. Every single time we're in a worship time, we're not only taking ground there, but we're also preparing ourselves for the battle that we're going to face on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. The world gets changed when the church stops just worshiping on Sunday and we learn that these particular songs are there to be taken into our week. That's why we set them to music. You know why? Because in the middle of the week, when you need it, that's when that song is going to come back to you. And that's when those words are going to speak again to your heart and to your spirit. And you're going to be reminded, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Oh, and His love endures forever. Oh, tonight, God, we want to give all praise and glory and honor to You, God. And Lord, even in the middle of all that we do not understand, in the middle of the mystery, in the middle of things that seem to even be going pear-shaped, Oh, that's okay. Yeah. In the middle of everything that's even going pear-shaped tonight, Father, we, we just want to declare to give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His love endures forever. We were singing that song earlier about flood. Could we go back to that potentially? Is that all right? Yeah. But let's make that decision tonight. That in the middle of all that we don't understand, man, we're going to lift a hallelujah. We're going to raise our voices up to God and worship. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that in the middle of it all, that you remain good. You remain good. Oh, you are so good. That is our weapon, and we are not going to let the enemy knock that weapon out of our hands tonight in Jesus' name.